You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I cannot emotionally attach myself to this team anymore. They have crapped in my bed. They have cut my fingers off. And and they have done this for the last time. I am out. I am done. I am going to take up some other hobby besides baseball, besides White Sox baseball, something that is going to make me spiritually fulfilled and, and, and give me inner peace so that I don't have to open up my Bleacher Report or my Twitter or my Facebook news feed and read about all of the stupid, incompetent, greedy, organizational malfeasance that that is Jerry Reinsdorf and the Chicago White Sox. That is the original co-host that sat down here with me at the Nine Foot Homemade Oak Bar, my buddy Dave, who I grew up across the street from, who helped me start Socks in the Basement over four years ago. And his last appearance, it really was his last appearance because any other audio you heard after that episode was just stuff that I had saved and I was just kind of messing around because I was hoping he would come back. I was hoping it was just like, like, oh, I'm so mad about Tony LaRusso joining this team. I'm never coming back. And I figured he'd be back in like a month. He never came back, Ed. He left. Now, on one hand, we got you, but never forget that Tony LaRusso broke a man so terribly with his hiring, that the White Sox broke a fan that he gave up on the podcast, quit the team, became a dungeon master six days out of the week, and has gone off into, like, seclusion and gave up on baseball altogether. And in the end, that crazy decision was actually right because at least he was spared the debacle of the last couple of years. Yeah, unfortunately, that unleashed me on the podcast, but (laughs) the... uh, the question I have is when they name Larry Garcia as the player manager for 2023, what do I have to run off and do? Then I'm quitting. When Larry Garcia becomes the player manager, I'm done. When when Rick goes, ah, you know, we did give him a lot of money, so we're going to have him move into a managerial role, and that will open up some room there on the uh, 26-man roster. We think this is the best thing. He knows our organization better than anybody. Then I'm out. Then I'm just packing my bags and I'm leaving the podcast. That's it at that point. I'm done. I'm done and with the team. And at that point, at that point, it'll be socks in the basement. Right. And I'll just try and put on a really bad New England accent. And uh, Right. And I'll go buy a 3D printer and become a dungeon master as well. I don't even know how to play the game, but I'm going to definitely do it. That, that, oh, you can I, figure it out. Just, yeah, I'll just watch the last, the last season of Stranger <laughs> Things. You pick up some, some ideas. Listen, I wanted to play the clip at the beginning mainly to point out that even though the narrative by the hand-picked press, I'm looking at you, Bob Nightingale, that Jerry Reinstorf has put his stories out to, I mean, it, let's be honest, the Nightingale piece a couple of days ago could have been written by Jerry, all right? And I, and I get it. Bob needs that access. He's a national baseball reporter. If he can be friendly yeah, good for Bob. Good with for a Bob. source like that, then he doesn't have to work very hard when it comes to covering the White Sox and he can concentrate on other teams. I'm sure he's like that with a lot of teams around Major League Baseball. But the idea that, oh, we all wanted this to work and nobody saw this coming and everybody should have expected Tony La Russa wait, wait, wait. To, to help the White you Sox. I saw this coming. Yeah, everybody saw it. There were only two people 
who believed it was a good idea to bring in Tony La Russa a couple years ago. Jerry Reinsdorf and Tony La Russa. That was it. Right. Yeah, those, those are pretty much, that's the, the start and end of the list right then and there right. is, is those two guys. Yeah, because Tony wanted to come back. He wanted to, to try and go out a winner with the White Sox and prove that he could still do it, which is fine. You know what? And, and if it had worked, it, it would have worked. And, and no one's going to question Tony La Russa's credentials. But the, the fact is, is that we, we've watched this guy over the past two years not be able to manage the team that he was given in a way that was effective for what he had on the roster, not be able to manage the team that he was given in a way that's effective with today's game. And then ultimately this year, even though I know he says that his health did not impact his managerial decisions and, and, and his ability to manage the team while he was in the dugout this year, you know, I think you and I were talking about it in as the team was flailing around in May and June that at some point, we kind of figured we would get an announcement that Tony LaRusso's health was going to prevent him from coming back if the team didn't turn it around and get back into the playoffs and win it this year, right? And I don't doubt that he's got health issues because, again, the guy is just, he's an elderly gentleman. He's hes past his prime physically. He has had a hard life. But I'm going to go on and limit guess, you know what, look, this the second health issue that he references in his letter, he's got the pacemaker. The second health issue is probably something that is treatable, but it's the kind of thing that when you're his age, you just cannot, you got to relax. You got to take it easy. You got to not work. You got to be a retiree in order to manage your health. And, you know, you wish the guy well. I really do sincerely hope that whatever the health issues are, they get taken care of and that, you know, the rest of his days are wonderful. But the White Sox, if it if it really is that the, the health is the thing that is taking him out of the dugout, otherwise Jerry's bringing him back in 2023, you hate to say this, but the White Sox catch a break because the old man's ticker's bad. This episode of Sox in a Basement brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions. You heard the ad at the beginning of the show. Remember, if you mention Sox in the Basement when you give them a call at 708-330-4466, you get a deep discount. Check them out at FamilyDry.com and see what a difference a family makes. Uh, the thing that I want White Sox fans, especially those that listen to this show, to pay attention to in the next couple of days, couple of weeks, couple of months, I want you to pay attention to anybody covering this team that uses the word, oh, it's disappointing. So disappointing. I'm disappointed. No, you should be angry. I think that when you start hearing people just saying it was just a merely disappointing season, and avoid blaming anybody. Can't be LaRusso's fault. Can't be Han's fault. Can't be Williams's fault. Not blaming Reinstorf. Not banging on the table saying that the owner is a problem and how things have run in the front office over the past multiple years and multiple seasons. And what led you to the rebuild in the first place. A rebuild that Ed says wasn't even a rebuild. If you're not talking about that right now and you're just covering, well, he wasn't feeling well. He has to move on. Now Rick will go into his search. And you're not questioning loudly why this front office remains intact. You're just towing a company line at this point. You have something that benefits you by being nice to the White Sox. Watch out for those folks. It's an absolute garbage thing to say this was like a, a an act of God, a freakish season, an outlier of some sort. It's the result of incompetence in the front office. Listen to Rick Hahn here. In his press conference on Monday, try to explain 
that if if he didn't think he could do the job, he would leave. We have to believe that we're capable of getting ourselves to the level we need and be able to critically look at the things that we didn't do well this past year and find a way to get better and feel have faith in ourselves that we're the right people. If there ever got to the point where I felt I wasn't the right person in my role, I'd step aside. Oh, isn't that cute? I wish that I could decide whether or not I get to keep my job in any profession that I've ever had or ever will have. Right. Well, it, in your current one, you do literally. You could you could just go be a dungeon master, like you said. But <laughs> I mean, I mean, no, what a reci- it, it, what a recipe for success, right there. That the guy who probably should be removed, that the front office that should be removed. Well, as long as they feel good about it, pff, trust us, we'll let you know when we should be fired. I mean, what he said was incorrect. They've got to be able to take a critical look at their own weaknesses and figure out what they did right and did wrong. But that's that's everybody everywhere in any job, like you said. I mean, that's that's accountability. That's having pride in your work. That's being able to determine whether or not you are the right person for the job. And no, you don't get that self-determination in any job you have. Jerry Reinsdorf is the one that's supposed to be taking that critical look as to whether or not Rick Hahn is, is the guy that should be doing this job. Kenny Williams, I think, is supposed to be that guy too. The problem I have there is, and and, and I will say this about Tony LaRusso's farewell letter, okay? He basically calls himself out and says he didn't get the job done. So here's a guy who is a Hall of Fame manager who is stepping back because of health reasons, who is basically saying, I'm disappointed in myself. The team did not finish in an acceptable way. This is not how this was supposed to go. And that's on me. The minuses are on the manager. It's always the way it is. It's, it's the way it has been. It's the way it always will be. What Rick Hahn needs to say there, I think, instead of saying, if, if I didn't think I was capable of doing the job, I'd step aside, which you're never going to think you're not capable of doing the job of general manager of the team. What he needs to say there is, if this rebuild doesn't work, if we don't win a championship out of this, if we don't gain the the sustained success that we talked about at the beginning of this, then I haven't done my job. That's accountability. That's actually understanding what it is. But saying you're saying we got to critically look at ourselves, figure out what our weaknesses are, and if I don't think I'm up to it, I I promise, you know, pinky swear, I'll step aside. I, I, no, 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 no. That's not accountability. That's that that, that is literally like me saying that. You know, if if I thought I was dragging socks in the basement down, that I would just stop appearing on the show instead of you just muting me and and whatever I record, leaving it on the cutting room floor in favor of whoever else you can get on a microphone. Switch to a new age of life with Hyatt Home Medical Equipment located on the south side. Hyatt is all about keeping that independence and keeping the person in the home. We're all faced at some point with the question as to whether or not mom or dad need to move into assisted living or whether or not you or I need to move into assisted living. I'm going to fall down all the time when I'm older. Hyatt makes it a lot easier to stay in your house. These days, they make it into a smart home. Doors that open and close with the touch of a button on an app. Smart chairs to bring you up and down the stairs. The house can be set up and rigged with supports and aids to get you around and make it less likely you suffer a fall. See all they have to offer at hhme.com. And remember, they're not only going to work with your insurance, but if you mention socks in the basement, they take additional money off. Stop in and get every question answered in their beautiful showroom located in Evergreen Park, 3518 West 95th Street. And joining me on the phone line right now, a guy who reached out to me this weekend and said, I want to talk about the manager search. And I was like, anytime James Fox from Future Sox wants to come on this show and talk, 
He's welcome to. He, he's on top of things. He every once in a while will break a story here and there. Uh, he's got great insight, and we're lucky to have him on Socks in the Basement. How are you, James? Oh, I'm wonderful, Chris. How are you, sir? Uh, can't wait. I mean, we're talking before the press conference. Can't wait to hear the garbage that comes out of it. And God forbid anybody actually take any responsibility for the mess of the last couple of years, right? Yeah, probably. But I mean, do you think there's anybody that'll be in a better mood than Rick Hahn today? Like, I, you know, like I just like two, two years ago when he looked like he was like held captive when he like announced the hire after he, you know, he's finally like convinced everyone to like rebuild and do this the way that a lot of us thought was like the right way. And then they're like, here's Tony LaRusso. It seems like against all reason, the same front office is uh, is going to still be in charge. They're still at least going to get one more year. They probably get they probably have lifetime deals. Uh, they're never leaving as long as Jerry Reinsdorf is the owner. Do you have any confidence in a managerial search headed up by Reinsdorf, Williams, and Hahn right now? I mean, I guess I like some of the names that were mentioned. I mean, even like last time, right? Like, look, I know a lot of people were apprehensive of the AJ Hinch thing, and I've heard like. You know, all over Twitter, like, oh, Detroit sucks. Like, A.J. Hinch sucks, too. Like, I, I just, like, I think A.J. Hinch was good at the job. I think that was a good idea, um, regardless of, like, the cheating scandal or whatever. So the thing that's funny is, like, you know, I wrote about it at the time, like, all these candidates that they were going to interview. But I guess, like, technically, like, they were going to do a search, but, like, A.J. Hinch's name was, like, you know, already on the office, essentially. And then Reinsdorf didn't really like that idea and hired Tony instead. So, yeah, I mean, look, if if the names are Joe Espada, you know, I saw Carlos Beltran, like, I would be good with that. Like, you know, some of those guys, like, yeah, like, I think it's possible. It doesn't seem like this is going to be like a, a total family hire, which is what I would like definitely afraid of, right? That it was just going to be like red meat for the fan base and they were going to just like insert AJ Krasinski and like, I think that would have been a disaster personally. So yeah, like, are they actually going to do a search? I don't know. Like, do they know who the next guy is? Maybe, but you know, they do have an opportunity to like hire somebody that actually deserves the job. So I think like over the next couple of weeks, at least we'll get to dig into you know, whether or not they do their first search in, you know, what, like over over 20 years for sure. Well, you got Isaac Ian trying to tell everybody that he knows this team better than anybody. I, I love that rant. That's that's amazing. Like, I don't want the job, but I'm the best guy for the job. Uh, yeah. Any yeah. chance, any chance, snowball chance in hell at all that Isaac Ian gets a chance to be the manager again of this team. So what I've kind of heard is like, for some reason, I think it's like a Rick Hahn thing. I think if Rick Hahn is employed by the White Sox, Ozzy won't be the manager again. So it's not Kenny, because everybody assumes it's Kenny because of the falling out at the end. You think it's Rick. Yeah, it's Rick. And and I don't know why. And I think it, it, some of it's Jerry, right? Because they were very offended. Like, Ozzy burned the bridge, you know? Like, when Ozzy left and went to Miami and all that stuff happened, and a lot of people forgot about that because it was just like over at that point and like nobody cared. Right. I think the fan base was like ready for something else too, you know, before they knew that something else meant Robin Ventura. But yeah, I think people just kind of forgot Like he burned bridges on the way out. And I just, I don't, I don't really see it at all. I mean, is it possible that like, you know, Kenny just like tells Jerry like, Oh, this is, this is the right move. Like, look, the White Sox, I think we've learned over like our time watching and covering this team, like anything is possible, but I'd be very, surprised i think ozzy's in the uh in his rightful home right now on post game personally 
James Fox and every guest here on Socks in the Basement is brought to you proudly by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks and green spaces filled with adventure? Visit the Village of Lamont, a great place for a day trip. Shop, dine, drink, explore, and see all they have going on this weekend and beyond at lamontdowntown.com. If the White Sox go out and get a manager, in your mind, what's the most important thing that manager has to do when they get in the building? Yes, I mean, it's probably culture and accountability, right? And I think you would agree with me. Like, I think the biggest thing that would change this team to next year, like, regardless of who or what they add, like, they have to hit for more power. Like, this team has to hit for, you know, they have to hit more homers next year. Um, and and I think that would contribute to, like, winning more home games, right? I mean, I think this team was seven games over 500 on the road. Like, if there's seven games over 500 at home, like, you're probably in the playoffs, right? So, and I think, like, now, does the manager come in and, like, turn, like, the team into power hitters? No, absolutely not. But, I mean, like, the message has to be clear and concise. Like, I think we found out that Tony La Russa was, like, it was, like, mixed messaging compared to, like, what his coaches were saying, you know? And, you know, like, Frank Manichino is trying to unlock power through patience, and the manager's like, oh, yeah, don't be afraid to, like, hit a single or, like, attack the first pitch here. Like, and it's just, like, a total mixed message. So, it, like, can't be that. But the other thing is just like, you know, accountability and being on the same page with like the medical staff. I just, I feel like nobody was in charge. Like we need to know that like whoever they hire, it's like their plan and they're in charge and they're going to listen to the people that they hire and put into roles. It's like a collaborative process now. It's why the Tony LaRussos of the world like aren't managing anymore. It's why like, you know, I wouldn't be a fan of like Joe Girardi or Joe Madden because like the manager role in 2022, you're like not the emperor anymore. Like you, you, there's just so much involved that you have to like take the opinions of others and then like somebody has to make a decision, obviously. But yeah, I mean that and like, I just like want a team that hustles and is healthy. And like some of that's on the front office, right? I think it was just like, everybody was so jaded by what was happening that everybody just like stopped doing their own jobs. You know, it's gotta be somebody that is going to work closely with the front office, somebody that doesn't undermine their own coaching staff and just like puts players like in the best positions to succeed because we have not had that the last two seasons. Does the new manager get to pick his entire staff or does like Kenny Williams's ex roommate, Daryl Boston remain on the staff to do certain guys that are always around the organization have to come with the team and the manager will not get to pick their entire staff. What do you think? I'm, I mean, I would assume some guys are, staying because this is the way they've always done things right that's where like even like part of me is expecting to wake up and like all of a sudden like paul canerco is the manager or something just because like that's just like the dumb stuff that this organization's done for like our entire lives so yes i mean i think daryl boston's got a lifetime deal because kenny needs somebody on the coaching staff i'd be really surprised if like ethan katz is elsewhere i mean i know that's tough like you know, do you go into these interviews and you're like, hey, how do you feel about Ethan Katz as your pitching coach? And like, you know, whatever. I think most of these guys, like especially a first-time manager, would be like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Um, is that the right way to do it? I don't know. I mean, I don't really want to lose Ethan Katz, but I mean, you know, if your ideal manager, like, wants somebody else, like, you know, I think it kind of is what it is. So, yeah, I mean, my guess is all these guys are under contract. They'll hire a manager and then go from there kind of. Um, but I would imagine there will be some holdovers. 
James Fox writes for Future Sox. We normally check in with him when we want to talk about uh, players that are coming up from the minor leagues and and what's going on with the with the young guys on the team. But it's nice to get his perspective on what the White Sox are probably going to be doing over the next couple of months when it comes to a manager search. And uh, he feels the same way I feel. I think. I think uh, that's why I like having you on the show, James. Uh, I I'm hopeful. But I know what this team is, and you're right. I could wake up tomorrow and Paul Canerco's the manager, or Willie Harris is the manager, or A.J. Prasinski is the manager, or Daryl Boston finally gets his shot to be the manager of the Chicago White Sox. Anything's possible, James. Yeah, the only thing that, you know, isn't possible is, like, Jerry Reinsdorf doing it himself because he just, you know, he, he wants to, like, run the team when he feels like running the team. Can't be in a role where he'd have to answer questions. That's the thing. He's got to he's got to be in the back, in the shadows, like the like the owner in the natural. That's basically what he needs to be. <laughs> yeah, it's <a> good call. <laughs> haven't gotten out there yet or recently get out the hailstorm brewing company the official brewery of socks in the basement in tinley park 8060 186th street right off of 80th avenue a ginormous beer hall with the brewery right there in view the outdoor patio it's the perfect time with the fire pit outside they have live music on the weekends trivia nights and all kinds of fun events and they've got great beer the Oktoberfest lineup is amazing. Great food, great beer, great fun. Get out there now. Make sure to follow them on their Facebook page at Hailstorm Brewing Co. and see all they have to offer at hailstormbrewing.com. So you hear James Fox, you hear him talk about possible managerial candidates, but that thing right there at the end where he points out that he doesn't believe that the new manager would get to walk in and make decisions as to who he wants on his staff, that guys like Daryl Boston who are necessary, as James alluded to, because Kenny needs to have somebody in there that's going to go back and tell him what's going on, right? He's got to have a voice in there. He's got to have his ex-roommate in the building. And I'm not just picking on Daryl Boston, but he's like one of those bad pennies that never goes away. Like, I'm shocked he's not a managerial candidate, to be honest with you. What you point out is Daryl Boston has been on the Sox coaching staff through several different regimes. He's been around the dugout for a very long time now. And this isn't a knock on Daryl Boston as a coach or what he potentially brings, but you don't see that happen in other organizations. When a new manager comes in, they don't necessarily keep the old manager's coaching staff. They did this for years, okay? You have a pitching coach in Ethan Katz who very much is is a guy that could stick around the way his predecessor did, right? How many regimes do we get with Don Cooper? This is this is one of those things where when we talk about a team with, that gives lifetime appointments to guys, if they like you, they keep you. And and that's great in some fashion, but in another fashion, if I'm, you know, if I'm one of these managerial candidates and I'm coming in and I don't really have a relationship with Daryl Boston, I don't know if I trust what he wants to do on the team. I don't know if he follows my vision. The only way that I can compare it to anything in my life, and that's what I try to do. I think everybody does that. When you try to have a conversation, you sit at a local bar and you try to talk about anything from politics to sports, whatever, you you draw upon your own life experiences, right? So I was a morning radio host, and for a while, Ed was one of my producers and eventually was one of my program directors in my career when I was doing it. I bounced around the country doing rock morning radio. The first two stops that I went to, I was given the ability to pick who I had on my show, right? 
I got to pick who was the sports person and who did the news. I got to pick who was the producer. I got to find somebody that went out in the street and talked with people with a microphone and did goofy stunts. And I got to find the crew that I wanted to work with. And whenever somebody tried to force somebody into my crew or make me keep somebody that was a holdover when I got to a radio station, I refused. Because in my mind, the only way that I could get a change, like if I was walking into a radio station and they were ranked 20th in the market, and my job was to bring them up to number one in whatever uh, format that I was supposed to get them up to, men 18 to 34, persons 18 to 34, you know, 18 to 54, whatever I was, my, my task was. It was written right in my contract. You get bonuses if you can get to number one or top three in these things. I knew to change the culture I had to be able to hire a completely new staff. I didn't want any of the bad habits from the group beforehand to leak into my new show. The only time that I ever didn't even make it to a ratings book, had a terrible go at it, was when I went to Reno, Nevada. I went right after 9-11. I never got to go meet the personnel. I was frustrated with the radio station that I was at. They were offering me a ton of money and a guaranteed contract. And I was like, what the heck? I want to go skiing in the Sierra Nevadas. I'm young. I'm single. This will be fun. I can't wait to get to Reno. And the only stipulation was I had to keep the female co-host that came with the last show. And against every bone in my body, I said, okay, fine. Within three months, she had had a blow up with me on the air because she didn't believe in the direction that I was taking the show. She was a last place DJ, but she still believed her way was right. It was the worst working relationship every day trying to come in. You're tasked with doing a job and changing what's going on. Like I'm brought in to fix what's going on at the radio station, but I have somebody who's left over from the last regime who, even though they just watched everybody else get fired, it was part of their group, still believes their way was better and questions everything you do. I can imagine it's the same thing if you're a football coach, basketball coach, baseball coach who goes into a dugout, is told you have to change the culture. And I heard that a few times in this press conference, that you have to change the, what's going on in there and you have to you have to change the way that things are going you got to motivate these guys differently and all this stuff it's very hard to do that when people from the old regime are still sitting there it really is unless you have somebody who is just a superstar and you know is not going to affect that it's best to clean house and bring in your own staff because then everybody's on the same page and nobody's sitting there going well this is how we used to do it there's nobody sitting there undermining you the one time it failed was when I took on somebody who was from the old group. And that's why I never understand that when a manager comes in or a head coach on a football field or anywhere and they're stuck with a coordinator or stuck with a first base coach or stuck with a pitching coach, if they don't want them, you've already set them back. And I don't see how it can ever work out. In my mind, it's a recipe for disaster. In my mind, you've already made a massive blunder before they've even taken the field for game one of their 162-game schedule in his first season as manager. And unfortunately, that's how this team operates. It's just one more reason why I can sit here, I can watch the manager names, I can think to myself, oh, let's see what they do. This is an interesting name. Let's see who they pick up in the offseason. But you see these stupid little mistakes that they do, like keeping guys around from the last group. And I think that right there immediately is like putting a weight, an anchor on you before you start the the race across the pool. Okay, you're just making it harder on yourself. Well, yeah, and there's a reason too why you know, in the in the as the announcements coming forth that Tony's going to announce his retirement today, 
that I get a text message from my dad saying, okay, who's the next manager? Is it Paulie? Is it AJ? Because those guys would say, okay, yeah, I'll take Ethan Katz and I'll take uh, you know, Frank Manichino and I, you can have Daryl Boston stand at first base. I mean, that's why Robin was brought in. I mean, like, how many times has this team brought in a manager and said, oh, we're going to keep these three guys though? All right. Well, it's my first managerial job. I'm just happy to be here. It doesn't work. Like whoever you bring in to be the captain of the ship should get to pick their crew. I, I think it's just, it's a disaster. I can, again, I can only go off of my own personal experience, but no matter how much I tried to take that person's ideas and work with them, that person was so angry that their friends had been fired and I had been brought in that there was never, it was never going to work out. And you can't tell me that it's any different in any other situation where, where people leave and other people come in and it's like, well, I've been here for years. Who's this guy who's telling me what to do? More to the point, okay, so Tony Tony in his letter is talking about accountability, right? Managerial accountability. Well, one of the things we're trying to hold Rick Hahn to is accountability. One of the things that Rick Hahn is saying that he's got to hold the players to is accountability. But if you are in a situation where you have a group of players who did not play up to their level, and that's what Rick Hahn is saying happened here. We've got talent that needs to get back to playing at their talent level. We've got guys that underperformed. There's injuries, sure. We know about the injuries, guys. But... When he's saying that we got to hold the players accountable, we got to make personnel changes, we got to make you know changes on the field, off the field. When you're talking about accountability, if you allow the players an inroad into this is how we used to do it, this is when I used to get away with it, instead of something new where they need a voice to tell them something new, to hold them accountable, to get them back to playing where they're, they're supposed to be, to get them motivated to get better and not get complacent in the game. If you give them... Hey, Daryl, you know what? This isn't how I did this the last couple of years on this team. I think I should just stick to what I was doing the past couple of years. It was good enough. Is Daryl Boston, who's got the pre-existing relationship, going to sit there and go, yeah, this is one of my guys? I don't know. But if I'm a new manager and I'm telling Aloy Jimenez, you got to be a DH and this is the way it's going to go, and Aloy's got Daryl Boston he can go and talk to, or even Ethan Katz he can go talk to, or let's say Frank Menachino is still the hitting coach, it's going to undermine the next guy. You need to clean house. If you're going to hold guys accountable, a brand new group of sheriffs has got to come in and regulate. I mean, that's that's the way it always works. Before we get out of here, one more quote from Rick Hahn uh, from his press conference after Tony LaRussa retired where he talks about making trades and making changes to the personnel. Listen to this. You want to make sure that you're comfortable enough to make those tough decisions about players that you may have signed or developed or traded for, and you don't get sort of caught in some sort of bias in favor of you know, what we thought we put together. Uh, but I am confident that we'll be able to evaluate any of the opportunities that come along over the next few months objectively and with the goal of getting us right back in contention for 23, even if that means cutting into guys that we previously thought were going to be, you know, with us for an extended period of time. This from a guy who gave Larry Garcia three years and $16.5 million and couldn't recognize that even though he had been in the organization for years and he loved him, that he wasn't a good signing. He wasn't a good use of that money. And it, and, and it got in the way of things. This from a guy who held on to, to Craig Kimbrell because of what he gave up for Craig Kimbrell and it didn't work out so that he could orchestrate a trade rather than just buy out the contract and use the money wiser. That that, that guy right there. I'm not going to chase my deals. I'm not going to let guys that I developed or people that I have fallen in love with in this organization affect the moves I'm going to make. Prove it to me, Rick. Prove it, because so far, you've proven the opposite. This also from a guy who 
is now going to then, if he's going to follow through on those words, have to trade a guy who's performing to try and find one or two guys to fill holes where guys aren't performing. The juggling act that Rick Hahn is talking about verbally there, when you look at the talent on the field and the contracts he's stuck with that he cannot move versus the guys that he could move and the holes and problems that moving those guys creates, he's stuck. I don't know how he gets himself out of there. He has painted himself into a corner. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.